The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back into another edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL Reacts is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL Draft is officially in the books, so now it's time to start discussing the landing spots of some of these top-end rookies impacts they're going to have in fantasy football whether it's in your standard redraft leagues or or dynasty formats or something like that so we've got a loaded show for you today and make sure you stick around at the end as our very own Rob Stats Carrera sat down with Washington Commanders pass rusher Chase Young so you definitely do not want to miss that but let me welcome in Kate Majuk of DK Nation as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. So now it's time to start discussing the landing spots for these rookies. And there's some legitimately intriguing spots and some really good teams that I think got some really good value in some of these young players in the NFL draft. But we begin with the quarterback class. And I don't want to speak for you guys, but if we're talking about standard fantasy redraft leagues, I don't view a single quarterback in this class as anybody that I would draft in a redraft league next year. Like, there's not a single one of these guys that I'm like, okay, I got to go grab that guy in the late in the late rounds of my draft because he's got an opportunity to be a stud in the right situation or something like that. I just don't think any of these players project as day one starters or day one fantasy contributors. I mean, I think that's kind of right on point, but the situation I'm monitoring heading into like the the preseason and and the off season here is going to be Desmond Ritter out of all of these guys. I've already made it very, very clear my feelings on Kenny Pickett, so I'm not going to elaborate much more there. Um, but just a, like it doesn't really matter at what point in his career, I don't find him to have a, a ton of fantasy upside. So he's out for me. But Desmond Ritter, he's walking into a situation where I just I think, uh, you know, looking at Marcus Mariota, what he's done most recently in his career. Um, had, you know, a fine tenure in his 30 pass attempts he had uh, as a Raider over the last two seasons. But I mean, like looking at what Marcus Mariota was accomplishing prior to that, um, just like declining in passing yards per game and 
I think every season uh, of his five seasons with the Tennessee Titans, not a good trajectory uh, though. He, you know, was on pace for maybe getting another chance. I think Desmond Ritter comes in day one uh, mentally prepared. And I think he's got enough uh, of the physical attributes that you want a quarterback to instantly compete for the starting role. And who wouldn't want the guy throwing to Drake London and um, it, my old friend, Kyle Pitts, like these guys are pretty talented receivers. Um, and I think Desmond Ritter could be throwing to them sooner rather than later. If situations were changed up, would you think about Malik Willis? Like it, just in terms of him being a talent, what he brings in the run game, is he a rosterable guy? If like he was taken 20th overall by Pittsburgh. So let's, let's say like Ryan Tannehill goes down in the summer or something like that. Is Willis a guy that you'd be willing to roster? A hundred percent. It's just such a weird situation with all the fits. I mean, I saw Albert Breer even brought this up uh, from MMQB. Every single one of these guys is behind a quarterback who was drafted in the top five, right? So <laughs> Pittsburgh's Trubisky, Atlanta's Mariota, Tennessee, or I guess top 10. Tennessee's Ryan Tannehill, Carolina's uh, Sam Darnold, and Washington is Carson Wentz. Like all these guys are behind guys who at one point were perceived to have, you know, more talent than even the guys drafted. So I think it's going to be tough for him to see the field. I don't even know, like, Kenny Pickett, is he going to be a week one starter? I don't know. I really don't. I think that Mitch would just have to be really bad, like for, for the Steelers to commit to him being a week one starter. So I don't think that's anything that will know ahead of time unless he's just like wowing them and they, they name him the starter. I just don't really see it. I also I also don't understand what Pittsburgh did because they drafted Olukon from uh, South Dakota State. That was a weird pick in the sixth round. So they have another quarterback. And then they already announced that, you know, in, ter in terms of uh, the quarterback battle, Mason Rudolph is going to be involved. So, like, <laughs> you drafted a fourth quarterback? Like, I don't Guys, we he... don't need to. We don't need to dig into this <laughs> any deeper. I just think we're beating the dead horse. The dead horse being my brain. Uh, this hurts. This hurts bad. Not not good. I'm not doing good. Well, I, I do agree with Kay. Like, if you wanted to take a chance, like just last round uh, of your fantasy draft uh, on death row for the Carolina Panthers might have the, the best track to actually starting it early in his rookie campaign because it's just Sam Darnold, right? And Sam Darnold has some injury problems. He, he's never stayed healthy for an entire uh, NFL regular season. And we just know that he's not very good, and Carolina is kind of eager to move off of him. So maybe Matt Corral is your best option. It's somebody who could start early in the season, but even then, I'm still not going anywhere near him. Oh, this is brutal. <laughs> and Sam Howell, who you know obviously <laughs> fell in the drafts, but he's behind Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. So like, I, I don't think you need to worry about Sam Howell in any way starting anytime soon in the NFL. So. Yeah, it's an underwhelming draft class, uh, especially for fantasy football purposes. But we still had to talk about the QBs because QBs run the show here. So let's get into the running backs because I am much more excited to discuss that position group. And, you know, taking a look 
at this class, which was a, a little top heavy, but I still think there's a, a lot of talent in it. And, and there's some guys who wound up in favorable situations, but the number one running back by consensus at, at virtually everywhere you look was Brees Hall. And he lands with the New York jets. Uh, this is still a, a really young team. That's still kind of figuring out what they have offensively with their quarterback and Zach Wilson. And they've got young wide receivers now. And so they're a really young group and they drafted Michael Carter last season. But the way that I project this is like, if I was going to take any rookie running back high, and I think there's some really good favorable situations for some of these other guys, but Brees Hall is going to be the lead back. Like we don't have to worry about Michael Carter in this scenario, right? Like I don't view Michael Carter as somebody who's going to have an opportunity to take touches away from Brees Hall. I think Brees Hall is going to be the lead back in that offense. He's a hundred percent going to be the lead back, but that's not to say that I think uh, Michael Carter is like chopped liver. Like it, it all comes down. I think not really to Brees Hall. I don't think it comes down to, uh, Michael Carter, I think everything's going to come back to the quarterback situation. What does Zach Wilson do in his second year? Because, I mean, he's sort of going to be the um, the hinge point for this entire uh, draft class, this entire offense. If he can get them in a position to score, um, Brees Hall is absolutely going to be efficient. Again, I, I still think Michael Carter is going to be plenty involved. Like, I think it's really hard to find a better complimentary back than Michael Carter, even though he's a little bit undersized. Um, but looking at like what either of these guys do in the 2022 season, it's going to come down to Zach Wilson and can he make a second year leap? And until we figure that out, I feel like it's really hard to trust Brees Hall even, despite the fact that I think he's, uh, he was, you know, by far and away the most like well-balanced prospect coming out. Um, I, I just don't know if we're going to be able to trust him. I think he might be a little overdrafted in redraft leagues. Uh, just given concerns with Zach Wilson, is he going to develop and be on track? I don't know yet. The other thing I'll say too, you know, Michael Floor is the offensive coordinator there. He's coming, you know, via way of San Francisco. We've seen what they've done with running backs and splitting up the carries and stuff. Brother of Matt LaFleur, who obviously has split the carries between Aaron Jones, who got a pretty sizable contract for a running back, and, you know, they're splitting with A.J. Dillon, too. So, I don't know. I, I kind of think that this is a committee league, unless you have a guy like a Derrick Henry, you know, that, and, and they're willing to commit to that extent, um, that, you know, one running back isn't going to be the whole show for anyone's backfield anymore. So, I, th- I think he's a great prospect. Um, thought it was interesting. You guys see the uh, Dallas Cowboys leaked board that came out with Jerry Jones just out there just showing everyone who they had. It seemed like positional value wasn't really accounted there, right? So, like, they drafted uh, Tyler Smith from uh, Tulsa, the offensive lineman, instead of Lewis Seen, the safety from Georgia, who was ranked higher on their board technically. One of the interesting things, they had Brees Hall ranked, like, 20th. They thought he was, like, the 20th best, you know, prospect in this class. Um, you know, obviously, he doesn't go 20th overall, so I don't know. Maybe they think that, you know, this guy is that type of talented running back. I certainly wouldn't have thought he was a first rounder, but I understand him going where he went. Could you imagine them taking Brees Hall with oh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard on the roster and the offseason that they had? I would have liked to have seen that. Do you think RJ would have quit? <laughs> At the very least, RJ would have taken time off. I he would have asked to just work for a different site. Just He's like, I, I, need, a, I need a mental reset. I'll see you guys in June. 
yeah i think i think it it would have broken him i i think i think it would have been safe to say that if they would have taken Brees hall in the first round but I, I think he's got a ton of talent and i guess kind of similar obviously these guys are going to have a, a bigger role but kind of similar to the quarterbacks like i i think there's some favorable landing spots for this group but i don't know if anybody landed where like okay, that's a guy that could be a top 12 running back a- as a rookie. I just really like Brees Hall's talent, and I like that system. And so I, I think he's going to have a huge opportunity to produce there. And the the other running back who consensus is, is viewed as like the first or second running back in the class was Kenneth Walker. And the Seattle Seahawks, for whatever reason – uh, drafted another running back and drafted another running back in, in a high end draft position. And I think that Kenneth Walker is a really talented player and, and can be a, a really good running back in the NFL. I just don't really understand the thought process there with the Seahawks. They bring back uh, Rashad Penny. They bring back Chris Carson. They still have DJ Dallas and Travis, Travis Homer who have all eaten up carries at, at some point for that backfield. And then they take Kenneth Walker, like, I just feel like Pete Carroll has been chasing Marshawn Lynch for years now. Like he's just been chasing a guy to replace Marshawn Lynch. And maybe he hopes that that guy is Kenneth Walker. Finally. I I mean, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's anybody that probably haunts Pete Carroll and uh, his dreams, the way that Marshawn Lynch does just for so many reasons. Like I, I, I think that, uh, Kenneth Walker, though, I mean, just positionally, they have so many needs and it just absolutely shocked me that they said no thank you to Malik Willis when he just falls into your lap at this point in the draft. Like y'all are really going into this year with with just absolute nosedive at quarterback. It doesn't really matter who starts like they just uh, got Geno Smith back. At, congratulations, Drew Locke great but you had an opportunity to draft Malik Willis here with this pick and you went with Kenny Walker who I love I think he like best pure runner in this class uh biggest knock on him coming out of school was the like lack of uh you know receiving upside but you know it was I, I think really more down to not necessarily getting the opportunity in college I think Kenneth Walker is going to be a great fit for this offense, despite the fact that they had bigger needs. I mean, like Kenny Walker, he, I think, comes into this role in a a pretty great spot, especially for dynasty managers. Looking at just the offense Pete Carroll wants to run, he wants to run a ball control offense. And if he's not going to have a quarterback, I think that's literally just going there. Run, 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 punt run, 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 punt. And I think that's going to be the entire 2022 season. Um, And I think Kenny Walker is not a bad guy to do that with uh, in terms of his skill set. It's just so weird watching them just lean into quarterbacks don't matter. And Drew Locke is our guy. Like it's (laughs) what a bold strategy. I think like Pete is maybe one of four people in the world who actually believe that. And that's including Drew Locke's parents and Drew Locke. Um, The one running back, who I thought his landing spot was kind of weird. Um, it obviously kind of fits because, you know, he definitely has a role in the offense, but I thought, you know, potentially if he would have gone to a different team, you know, he would have been able to probably get more touches in the ground games. James Cook out of Buffalo. I really liked him. You know, anytime you watch those Georgia games, he always came up with one of these huge passes against quality opponents. 
Obviously, Buffalo isn't a team that, one, they, they don't play very heavy offense. Two, they don't commit to the run very often. So I don't know if he's going to get that many touches, you know, in terms of pure carries. The one guy I will say, though, I took a flyer on plus 10,000 uh, the day that it opened up on DraftKings for Offensive Rookie of the Year. It has since moved down to 5,000 already. Tyler Algier, the uh, running back out of BYU who ended up with the Atlanta Falcons. Would we be shocked if he ends up having the most production out of any of these guys? Because I could see him being the running back one in Atlanta. We talked about how, you know, this is kind of a committee league. Atlanta is one of the few teams that, like, they don't want to play with three wide receivers. Like, they want to be out there with two two backs, you know, a running back and a fullback, or two tight ends. Um, I could easily see them just feeding him the rock over and over again. And then a rookie class where there's maybe not a quarterback, where there's no true lead back, where – you know, wide receivers are going to be so dependent on what their quarterbacks look like. Like I could see him walking away with this award. Plus 10,000 is basically a 1% chance. I think there's a better than 1% chance he ends up with that award. Oof. I like I, the award. Um, I, I'll say this. I'm, I'm more, uh, I'm more likely to get on board with like the fact that this guy might have fantasy value than, uh, than the odds here specifically for offensive rookie of the year. But I mean, he does come into a situation where literally right out of the gate, um, he can compete for starting snaps. Obviously, um, you know, I think we saw last year Cordero Patterson succeeded on the ground, but his role still was as a receiver. Um, like he played that receiving role back. Where is is he going to fit in? I think sometimes, or, or again, maybe this comes back to, um, the quarterback position and and how does that look coming into the season? Are they going to have that production offensively? Because um, I do think they have the receiving weapons. I feel like this is kind of like generally speaking, a, it feels like a new offense and it feels like a offense that's going to have more upside than anybody's really projecting them to heading into the offseason. I hope you cash that bet. Uh, I think that's a leap, but it would be absolutely incredible if, if you cash that. I do think that Tyler Algiers got a good chance of being the best, like pure running back on that roster. I mean, Cordero Patterson, I know he had a great fantasy season last year, but he's 31 years old, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of people chasing what he did last season. And I have no faith that he's ever going to do that again. Like just, just based on what we know uh, about the position and production and age, like I, I just have no faith that he's going to be able to replicate what he did. And, you know, they had Matt Ryan last year. They, they don't have Matt Ryan anymore. So I, I don't love Cordero Patterson. I think Tyler Algier is a guy that like, he is a, a worthy late round flyer who could wind up being a lot more productive than you anticipate. And you mentioned James Cook. I'm really high on James Cook and Buffalo. I, I love the player. I just don't know how much they're going to run. I mean, I that's just, the biggest question because they, I mean, they didn't really show any commitment to any specific running back. It took them two years to finally get Devin Singletary, like 13 carries a game to close out the season last year. And when he got carries, like it, he looked freaking fantastic. So I think that like, I, I think the issue in Buffalo is the lack of commitment to the run, but also the lack of commitment to a specific runner. If they commit to cook, I think he's going to come out and be incredibly successful, especially with the team 
as offensively productive as they are, but like, will they commit to them or are they going to be in this purgatory of just rotating, rotating, rotating every single time one running back gets a snap, he's back out of the game and the next guy's up. Like that is not a way to establish the run, no matter who you have on personnel. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're going to like view him as a true, like early down running back. Like, I think that is going to be Devin Singletary. I think where his value is going to lie is just as a pass catcher. And I know James cook, like talked about you know, running wide receiver drills. And that was something that he really worked on. Cause he views himself as like, I can, I can compete that way, not just as a running back. And they tried to sign JD McKissick and then he backed out of the deal and went back to Washington. And so uh, to me, it says like, Devin Singletary did take over that backfield at the end of the season, but I think it was just because they didn't have faith in anybody else, like, you know, filling that role and even being like a third down kind of pass catcher. So I, I just think that James Cook's got some like legitimate value or has legitimate potential, especially in PPR leagues where in that offense that doesn't even want to run the ball, like, and they want to throw, like maybe he could be a legitimate weapon out of the backfield as a pass catcher. I'm just interested to, see how they use him. Like, I, I think he's a really dynamic player and that offense is already explosive. They already put up crazy points. So I like James cook is a guy that I would definitely take a chance on. Um, another running back. I wanted to get your guys' opinion on is Damian Pierce, who was drafted by the Houston Texans. Ooh. I think uh, similar to Atlanta, I, or, or even, even really more confident than the situation in Atlanta. I feel like he is the best running back on the Houston Texans roster. Uh, they don't have David Johnson anymore. They finally released him. He is still a free agent right now, but they did sign Marlon Mack and they brought back Rex Burkhead. And you know, Marlon Mack is, has a thousand yard season in the NFL. He's shown some promise, but he, he basically just barely played last season and he was coming off of a major injury. I think Damian Pierce has like a real chance to, to wind up being a, a productive running back or maybe not even necessarily productive, at least get like volume and touches. Like he's a guy that you can draft. Who's got a good chance at, at wind up getting a significant volume as a rookie. Damian Pierce, I feel like is one of the biggest steals of this draft and like for fantasy for uh, like the team, the Houston Texans. Like, I think this was just a great overall pick for them. And looking at Damian Pierce, you might be concerned that he doesn't necessarily have the draft capital He's a fourth round pick, but he was taken second in the fourth round. So like, let's, I, you know, basically a third rounder if we're rounding up. Um, but like he landed in, as you said, the absolute perfect situation. The biggest concern has got to be offensive line. I think from the Texan standpoint last year, they ranked dead last among NFL teams in their run blocking grade. Uh, Running backs on their team average just 3.4 yards per rush attempt. Like, yikes, not good. Um, they did add Kenyon Green into the, the mix, who, you know, better run blocker than he is a pass blocker, I think. Um, he's got size. He's got, like, the right build for a running back. And if you're wondering why he fell to the fourth round, I think it just comes down to the fact that with the Gators, he never had a – an uh, a situation where he necessarily took over as a workhorse um, never had more than 106 rush attempts in a season. And that's the biggest concern. And that's why I think he fell to this point, but on the rush attempts he got in the opportunities he got as a pass blocker. Um, I, I, 
think he showed really well. So like if this dude comes out and he can handle volume, the Texans are going to be looking like absolute geniuses grabbing him in the early fourth. The one thing I will say is what do we think of the Texans this year? I thought it was surprising. You know, the odds opened up on, you know, win totals and stuff. The books have them at four, four wins the entire year. I don't understand that at all. I, I think the Texans are a lot more competitive than a four and what is that? Four and uh, 13 team now. That's crazy to me. So if they go four and 13, I don't know how many touches Pierce is going to end up getting, but if they perform like a 500 team, which they're playing an AFC South schedule, they should be. Um, I, I think he has a chance. I still think the Texans could win more games than the Jags. Like even after every, I every absolutely move, agree. Yeah. Like yes. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that at all because I have no faith in what the Jags are building down there. <laughs> the Jags have no faith in what the Jags are building. So I, I think all of this is like a, a safe bet. I don't want, I don't want to touch the Jaguars with the 10 foot pole. Um, but set, set them up for the, the number one overall pick in 2023. Like, let's just make it a three straight season. Uh, first overall pick. Let's do it. Sign them up and draft a quarterback and kick Trevor Lawrence yeah. to the curb. <laughs> it's that a fast be- league. It's a fast moving <laughs> league, man. Yeah, that that would be very Jacksonville. But those are the running backs that uh, we we're a little bit excited about. We we think that they can ha- have a role in your fantasy leagues and maybe have some impact in the upcoming season. But let's take a quick timeout, and when we get back, we will get into some of these wide receivers and uh, maybe a couple of tight ends. That's coming up next on NFL Reacts. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Kate Madjuke of DK Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. We just went through the quarterbacks and running backs that might have some fantasy potential in the upcoming season. It is kind of a weird draft and and it's going to be weird for fantasy purposes, projecting some of these players, but there are some players out there that I, we think can have some value for you in in your upcoming redraft leagues. And especially of course, in your dynasty leagues, but the position group we are the most excited about is this wide receiver class. That's by far the most, the deepest position group, I think that can have impact immediately 
on your fantasy roster. So we begin with new Atlanta wide receiver, Drake London. Uh, We already talked about Desmond Ritter. We already talked about the running back situation. They have one of the worst wide receiver groups in the NFL. So he steps into a group where he is immediately best wide receiver, at least while Calvin Ridley is suspended. And we don't really know what's going on with his future in Atlanta. I think that Drake London has a, a strong case to to be the top rookie wide receiver that you should be targeting in your upcoming fantasy seasons because he's going to have potential to get a lot of targets. I mean, heading into this draft, I called Drake London like my my favorite pick. Like if I had to to slot in any of these wide receivers who can make the most immediate impact regardless of landing spot, Uh, It was going to be Drake London. I just think his size and um, his just everything about the way he plays football, like a, a grown booty man. uh, Like he was just instantly sort of poised, I think to be an instant impact maker. I think that out of all these guys, I would have said he's the most uh, he was going to get to that. Like uh, you know, I don't know, eight touchdown mark in his rookie year. Like, I think that's completely within the realm of possibility and the landing spot just makes it that much more fruitful. I think the only question again has to come back to the quarterback. Cause you wonder what is this offense going to look like? Uh, what is the quarterback situation going to look like? I think his fantasy relevance might be a little contingent on Desmond Ritter being the starter. Uh, looking back at Marcus Mariota and, what he accomplished, like they just, you know, when he was the starter, they ran a sort of low volume passing offense. I don't think they're going to turn him into like some high volume passing quarterback. Um, so I, I do wonder if he's under center, is there going to be as many opportunities for Drake London as we want? I don't think there would be, um, you know, even just looking at who produced, uh, with Marcus Mariota under center, no, no player has ever had more than 831 receiving yards from Marcus Mariota in a single season. That's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, um, that's rough. Um, that's but you've never you never think that you wanted Desmond Ritter to start as bad as you do now, do you? Yes, that's yes. Very, very strong point. Um, Just saying. Please start Desmond Ritter um, so we can see what happens. But I do love that London at least is going to draw some attention away from Kyle Pitts. Um, We saw last season how Kyle Pitts was really coming on as a rookie. And then once that wide receiver core got depleted, teams were able to just kind of zone in on him. and, and, And he really struggled down the stretch because teams were just covering him because he was the only pass catcher he had to worry about. So at least London can take some attention away from Kyle Pitts. I'm really excited about him despite their quarterback situation because I think he's that talented of a player. But Drake London, I I still think, is going to have a a sizable role just because there's nobody in that offense you really got to worry about taking targets away from him outside of Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I think that's right on point. I think his size, too, is going to help a lot. You know, we, we talked about how Atlanta likes to play very heavy offense. I don't know how much that is going to go away considering the like the pedigree of that offensive staff, right? Um, London being that big of a guy, I mean, maybe they're in like nub sets or something with only two wide receivers. They're both on the same side. London's on the outside. And that that 
opens it up for a guy like Zacchaeus in the slot. Like it pains me mm. to to say stuff like that, but they're gonna have to start someone else at wide receiver too. So I mean, like the I feel like the biggest knock on uh Drake London, it kind of felt like sometimes people are like, Oh, he's too good at contested catches. <laughs> like, shut up. Um, like, no. Um, that's not a knock. Like I get it. There's concerns that like, is that going to translate to the NFL? Cause like you see contested catches and you worry, like, is it because he's not fast enough? Can he, is he going to be able to keep up with these NFL corners or like, I, I don't care. He was like, he is a contested catch monster. Um, if I'm an opposing corner, even if he doesn't have that speed, I'm going to worry that he wins these catches with strength, with strength. Um, and I, I, like stop with the like is does he have too many contested catches i'm sick of it as long as nfl teams insist on throwing goal line fades uh, i think that drake london is going to have an opportunity to score some touchdowns and i don't think they're moving off of that anytime soon so i I think he's definitely got some rookie season fantasy upside i want to talk about traylon burks lands with the tennessee titans is the immediate aj brown replacement and I don't think it's fair, and I, I feel like Traylon Burks is it, – it's just crazy that it worked out this way. They they trade A.J. Brown because I feel like in the draft process, the player I saw him comp to the most was A.J. Brown. And I'm not convinced he can be that because I don't think it's fair to compare him to A.J. Brown and the physical freak that he is. Like, A.J. Brown is just a superstar wide receiver. When you look at their their – group of pass catchers i think Traylon burks is going to have a role in this offense immediately because they're thin and robert woods is coming off an injury he's getting up there in age robert woods i think is still going to be when he's healthy like a good safety net kind of wide receiver which he has always kind of been throughout his career but burks is the guy with the upside burks is the guy that we want to see create explosive plays because he's going to try to fill that role for aj brown and there's nobody else there. So I, I think that Burks is still stepping into a situation where even in a run heavy offense, he's going to have an opportunity to get a lot of targets as a rookie. Yeah. I think, I mean, looking at the, the player, I kind of get they're They're excited about the size. They're excited about like the big man, which like, I, I think that's sort of how we profile AJ Brown, but like, I think the, the Titans are going to need a huge reality check if they do think that this is like a one for one swap. Cause I, I, I mean, Traylon Burks, I don't think he's as bad an athlete as he tested. Um, just, you know, 21th percentile or 21st percentile for vertical jump, 37th percentile for 40 yard dash, like not fantastic. I think he's better than that. Um, but I mean, AJ Brown is still like clear, clear in a way, the better athlete. Um, so they're not a one for one swap, but this is a guy that again, like size is always going to be an asset to some of these receivers that come in um, and can maybe see it, it, you know, uh, interesting role, a a sizable role right off the bat. Um, And he's got enough size and strength that I think that uh, he he could make an impact, but this Tennessee offense in general uh, has me throwing some question marks I'm a little bit nervous about having any of these assets, maybe outside of Derek Henry and even he's aging and he's, he's got a high touch total. So I don't know what, I don't know what to do with the Tennessee Titans in 2022. I'm with you. I I wouldn't be surprised if Woods doubles 
Burks's production, you know, immediately. I, I feel like one of the other thing pieces of context we've lost too is just because of all these crazy rookie seasons, really starting with like that, what was it, 2014 when like Odell Beckham and, and uh, Mike Evans and all those guys came out. You could basically bank on wide receivers not producing the first two years. And maybe we're just better at producing wide receivers from the college level where you have guys like the Jamar Chase years or the Justin Jefferson years. But it wouldn't be surprising to me if Burks is one of those guys who takes a little bit longer. With that being said, there's some other guys on this list, the fast guys. I'm excited to get into that. Like Chris Olave on turf in a dome, he's going he's gonna to produce immediately. Love it. I, I love Chris Olave going to New Orleans because we talked about how bad that group of pass catchers was last season. And Jameis Winston is in the middle of just unloading his summer workout videos. He is ready to come back, ready to sling it. I, I'm excited for Jameis Winston. And I actually am curious because they've got Michael Thomas coming back, but we basically haven't seen a healthy Michael Thomas in like two years. But he does still project as a big part of the offense just simply because of the role he's had in the past, the amount of money that he's making and, and all of that. Are you guys assuming that Michael Thomas is going to fall in fantasy drafts, which I would assume that he is like, he's going to be a guy who who's taken a little bit later. Like, would you rather land Michael Thomas at, at a value or would you rather take a chance on Chris Olave as a rookie being a, a dynamic playmaker in that offense? I'd rather. Um, so this is me and I'm, high on Michael Thomas and I'm I think much higher than the consensus because like his his dynasty value literally has never been lower ever in his career like Michael Thomas is just historically undervalued and it does come down to the the injury history but I mean you have to assume I think that if he is healthy and in the game He's going to be producing like we even saw him produce um, like while we knew he was injured, didn't have the touchdowns to back it up uh, in the year before last. But he was still producing yardage, even when he had like two ankles that were about to snap in half. Um, Michael Thomas is just a good wide receiver and he's still going to get volume, I think. Uh, if you get Jameis Winston into that mix, uh, if he's recovered from the torn ACL, we know he'll just YOLO all day long. Um, there's going to be enough, I think, to go around for both of these guys. But I actually think that the better value in fantasy is probably going to be Michael Thomas. Like he's, we know that he's, um, you know, a, a question mark in terms of health, but I have to project that he's going to go much later than Chris Olave in fantasy drafts. And I do think that come end of season, if they're both on the field, their stat lines are going to be pretty similar. Yeah. I'm taking both of them. I'm, I'm rooting for the Jameis 30, 30 year, right? Like that, that's everything <laughs> that I need. Um, Jameis. I feel like people kind of forget a little bit too, how well Jameis was playing last season. I know, I know it got cut short because of injury, but like, that Packers defense, right, that held San Francisco without, you know, an offensive touchdown in the in the playoffs and won, what, 13 games or whatever. Jameis tore them up, right? So, like, I don't know. I, I could see a big bounce-back year for him and huge seasons for both Olave and another bounce-back year for Michael Thomas, too. I think Sean Payton was holding Jameis back. 
because <laughs> he was so scared of fraud him alert fraud alert Sean Payton <laughs> yeah he was so scared of him turning the football over I, you got to just let Jameis be Jameis and I think they're going to let Jameis be Jameis this season which is a lot more exciting yeah let him throw picks you're dis- despite what New Orleans thinks as an organization they're not like a Super Bowl contender so just let Jameis have fun just let, just let him sling the rock I am fine with Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions again because that season was fantastic to watch it was a thrill ride so we we can't talk about Chris Olave without mentioning Garrett Wilson who goes to the New York Jets obviously he's going to step in and play right away the Jets were really active in trying to acquire a veteran wide receiver before settling for Garrett Wilson at number 10 in the draft which I think is perfectly fine I like Garrett Wilson as a prospect and Elijah Moore is got a ton of upside but when I look at these players it, it kind of projects to what we already talked about with the Jets. It's just, do you have any faith in Zach Wilson taking a step in year two? And, and based on what we saw as a rookie, I don't know how confident I am in that. So I don't know if I'm going to be heavily targeting Elijah Moore or Garrett Wilson in my upcoming fantasy drafts, just because I don't know how I feel about Zach Wilson. I don't have a ton of confidence in him heading into year two. Yeah, I've already... I've already given my two cents. I don't have, I don't have the faith, but I will say, I think that Garrett Wilson is a good enough wide receiver that he can make up for some inadequacies. Can he make up for all of them? No, but if we see a little bit of movement, a little bit of movement from Zach Wilson in terms of his improvement uh, from last season to this season, I do think that Garrett Wilson still like comes in. I think he's pro ready. Um, I, I think he's just a very refined product, uh, even heading into his rookie season. So I think you just need slight improvement, slight improvement from Zach Wilson. And I think you can get Garrett Wilson to the point that uh, he's going to be uh, a year one contributor. But again, with all of this hype uh, and all of this hype on this uh, rookie receiving class will he be overdrafted for where he pr- like ends up actually producing probably I agree I, I think he's probably going to get overdrafted just based off of kind of what role he's probably going to be playing in that offense right you think about Garrett Wilson he's going to be an outside vertical threat he certainly is an acrobat I just don't know how many you know 50 50 balls they're going to be willing to throw him um, obviously he can do more than that down the sideline but it's not something that you know, these Shanahan style offenses really like to do. Right. And and that guy often is just running off routes for everyone else instead of really producing. So I could easily see Wilson producing the least out of any of these guys and it not being like his fault. Like it's just the role that he's playing. So I get it. Like I understand he was a lot of people's wide receiver one in this class, but I don't think this was like the softest landing spot for him, I guess. And you two mentioned Garrett Wilson getting overdrafted. Do we think Christian Watson is going to be seriously overdrafted just because of Green Bay's yes. pass catcher yes. situation? Yes. <laughs> I, he's Listen, he's got all the athletic talent in the world, but he is still a, a project wide receiver. Like, I'm not super confident that Christian Watson is just going to, out of the gate, be Aaron Rodgers' number one wide receiver and putting up crazy numbers. I think this was like – I get it. Um, he's like the hometown product. And I, I don't know. I, I, in all of my mock drafts, I had him going to the Packers and I, I saw it coming a mile away, but I still think this is like not a great fit. 
for where your franchise is at. And I'd love to hear more from you, Justice, because from my perspective as an outsider, you have a team that, you know, you just paid your quarterback who's approaching the end of his career. Um, not not there yet, but approaching. And then you you have the wide receiver you traded away. But like if you're thinking this is a Super Bowl window, I think Christian Watson is probably the worst fit that you could have employed in this offense. He is an athlete primarily. And I think like in terms of where he's at and in, in his development as a receiver, I still think he, he has a ways to go. Like I look at a guy, um, you know, like honestly, really any of these uh, guys that went like around him or, or near him, like a, a Jalen Tolbert, like I think Jalen Tolbert would be a guy that I think is much more ready to, to produce right out of the gate. Uh, I look at sky Moore, and I think like sky, like neither of these guys are, are as freak athletes as Christian Watson, but I think they're more pro ready in terms of their product as a wide receiver. The big thing with the Packers, they're just not going to look at small guys. Like they're going to sky more to like probably isn't on their board. Like they wouldn't have drafted Jahan Dotson if he was there in the seventh. That's, that's one of the things that they're working against, but I mean, it's Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, and Romeo Dobbs fighting for two of the th- or two starting outside wide receiver positions, and then Lazard and Cobb will probably play in the slot. Who knows what's going to happen with Amari Rodgers now? Um, they also drafted Samari Toure. This is when I get to the part where I remind you, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, and he's not showing up to OTAs. He, he famously said, "I'm not going to show up to to like break in some of these rookie wide receivers." Buddy, it's going to take longer than OTAs to break it, Christian Watson. He might end up painting him by August. So I wouldn't discount the ability of a guy like Romeo Dobbs to come in and like yes. start year one. Like, I, it's it's on the table. I'm not saying it's happening, but it's on the table. He's also available uh, plus 10,000 to win offensive rookie of the year, by the way. Because I'm a no justice. Place five on there. <laughs> I literally I tweeted this out as they made the pick. Uh, Romeo Dobbs over Christian Watson for me, and I think like again, this comes back down to: um, Do you want the athlete or do you want the more refined product? I don't think that Romeo Dobbs is near the athlete that you're getting out of Christian Watson. But do I think he's more ready to play NFL football as a wide receiver? I I do. And he's a um, way better route runner. Like you can you see don't need, his hips and all that. Yes. And if you are a more refined route runner, like you don't need to be the fastest athlete on the field. Like the, those nuances of being, a, of understanding the wide receiver position and understanding how to use your body in those more refined ways um, that, that get you open, not just due to speed, like those things are equally valuable than uh, just speed or explosivity. Like you can be a relatively average athlete. And if you have skills, uh, which I think Romeo Dobbs has more skills as a wide receiver. I mean, I'd, I'd honestly a hundred percent rather have Romeo Dobbs uh, even in a dynasty league than Christian Watson. Am I saying swap them for each other? No, because you need to get more value out of Christian Watson because everybody's hyped on this landing spot, but people are not not taking into account the fact that he is a project at the wide receiver position and 
with a guy that has little patience for, you know, people to not be contributors right off the bat. I feel like he is going to end up in the doghouse with, with Aaron Rodgers like very quickly. And I no, thank you. I don't want it. I don't want it. No, thank you. Christian Watson's going to drop a few passes in training camp and Aaron's going to be like, that's it. You're done. You're done. He's going to kill his whole family. Out. Like, it's it's going to be done. And uh, I don't want, I, I think there's going to be a lot of people that just see opportunity when they look at Christian Watson and they're not, they're, they're not going to be, I think, happy unless we see a really big jump from Christian Watson, like right off the bat. You mentioned Sky Moore, and I, I want to touch on him before we get out of here. I love the Sky Moore pick for the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I think that he fits the uh, Andy Reid mold, and like it, it's kind of weird their their offseason signing MVS and Juju, like kind of bigger body wide receivers, because Andy Reid traditionally just doesn't go for those. Like the Packers want those big, tall wide receivers. Like Andy Reid traditionally is just like. If they can fly, then I can use them in my offense. Like that, that's usually how he approaches things. And Sky Moore is that kind of more prototypical Andy Reid style wide receiver. Like he's a guy that I think is going to ha- have the ability to get open like right away in the NFL. And I'm interested to see how the Chiefs move him. Now, tr- traditionally, Andy Reid likes to bring uh, along wide receivers, especially kind of slow in the rookie year. Like you even look at Tyreek Hill's numbers. He was great his rookie season, but it was kind of like they were using him in so many different ways as a receiver. They were using him out of the backfield, using him as a return man. And, and that was where like his collective production wound up being really impressive. And then he goes on to be a superstar wide receiver. Like I, I think Sky Moore's got that upside. You might temper expectations with him. Like I, I feel like he's going to get hyped up and probably be overdrafted. But I think he does have a a pretty safe floor as a rookie to be a fantasy asset, like a guy that you can play in certain situations and with the right matchup. Oh, I think this was like one of the the most underrated picks probably of the draft because, I mean, just from like a fit standpoint, I I mean, considering what you traded away with Tyreek Hill, I'm not saying Sky Moore is Tyreek Hill, but I think he represents speed. Uh, I think he represents being elusive. Um, again, none of this to the, the degree that Tyreek Hill does, but you're getting a lot of that back with him ranked first among wide receivers and forced missed tackles. Uh, like this, this dude is great after the catch. Um, and I think that's so much of what we saw them build into their offense with some of these like smaller, more elusive weapons. And I think you get all of that back with sky Moore. Um, you know, it, he's, I think strong. He's got uh, big hands, like 10, what, 10 and a quarter inch hands. Um, like he, he's just a, he's a, a big dog, I think, in a relatively smaller body. Number 24, though, bad aesthetic. That That's my only counterpoint. This is a terrible wide receiver number. Terrible number. So what would his odds for offensive rookie of the year be if he wasn't sitting with the number 24 on his back? Oh, Quarterback Patrick Mahomes plus five hundred probably. There we go. There, <laughs> see, that's I figured it out. I'm going to be an odds maker uh, in my next life, I think. And I'm I now know the secret. I'm just going to dole out odds based on aesthetic of jersey number, and that's final. 
Yeah, I'm still not going to get used to it. It just looks weird. It's I, I don't like it either, but it's just the world we live in now. And eventually we have to just get used to it. I don't like it either. It, it's uncomfortable. I just look at it and I'm like, no, well, what's going on there? That doesn't make any sense. Why is why is that guy as a, as a wide receiver? It doesn't make any sense when I'm looking at it on, on my TV. But it's just the world we live in now. Before we get out of here. Uh, we do have one quick NFL reacts poll. Who was the biggest steal of the NFL draft? 29% of the audience said linebacker Nakobe Dean. 21% say Jermaine Johnson. 19% say Malik Willis. 17% say Kyle Hamilton. 14% say other. Are you guys on the other? Like, is, is there somebody else that wasn't listed in those options that you want to throw out there? Or do you agree with any of the options that were in the poll? I'm going with Kyle Hamilton, uh, who I think just, uh, get garnishing 17% of the vote here is a travesty falling to 14 right into the Ravens laps. Like I'm sure he's uh, he was disappointed to slip out of the top 10, but landing in the lap of the Baltimore Ravens, like an absolute steal and such a great fit that I think those two things combined make him the biggest steal. Yeah, I agree. Hamilton, just such a Baltimore Ravens pick, right? You look at who went at 14 and then right after them. And you're like, Baltimore was in the perfect spot to just gobble up one of the last few talents who are in that top tier of this draft class. The only other guy I would bring up, uh, Justin Ross, just insane that he fell out of, you know, he's UDFA, um, uh, a foot injury. And then also a uh, back condition basically led to him falling out of the draft would have been a top five wide receiver in this draft easily, I think. Um, lands with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's got a shot now, right? So, like, they're in camp. Draft stock no longer matters, right? So, if he's able to produce, he'll be able to produce, and, and they'll get him on the field. That would be scary if the Chiefs were able to do that. Mind you, this is a guy who is outplaying Hunter Renfro, uh, T. Higgins, as a freshman, just dunking on future first-round corners that were playing at Bama and stuff. So, He's got talent. I'm actually surprised. I meant to bring him up when we were discussing the Sky Moore pick because, I mean, for them just to steal him in free agency. And even though um, they were having this conversation like on the broadcast uh, during the draft in day three, um, you know, like what do we think that um, Justin Ross is going to want? Like at this point, would you rather slip out of the draft, go undrafted, get to pick your landing spot or do you just want to be drafted like desperately and for him to have fallen out of the draft entirely. And then you uh, again, land in the lap of uh, Patrick Mahomes. You gotta, uh, you gotta be excited to land in that giant vat of ketchup. Um, Cause you know, you're, you're tied to one of the best franchises in the NFL. Um, like, Great, great landing spot for him um, and congratulations to him. And I think uh, that's the best he could have hoped for uh, coming out as an undrafted free agent. I think if you're him, once you get to day three, you're like, let's just go undrafted. Let's just go undrafted so I can pick where I get to go. And he supposedly had multiple suitors and chose the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I'm glad you brought him up. I'm. I'm slow playing my expectations for him. Uh, I'm trying to go into the off season and, and rookie mini camp and training camp and stuff, expecting nothing from him. But I know as soon as we go to chiefs training camp later in the summer, 
he's going to be the guy that everybody's talking about. Like Sky Moore will make some plays and look good and stuff. He's going to be the guy that everybody is paying attention to at Chiefs training camp. And if he looks really good, he is going to get all kinds of hype in the regular season. So I'm if rooting for just two highlights in the summer. He becomes immediate. Yeah, I, I know how this stuff works. Like, that's how yeah. it's going to go. Yeah, he's going to be a big storyline for them. So excited I, I really hope that he can stay healthy and wind up having a long nfl career i am rooting for justin ross but thank you guys for listening to this edition of nfl reacts please make sure you subscribe rate and review everything that we're doing for the sb nation nfl show on apple and spotify you can follow kate at ff ball blast on twitter you can follow justice at j-u-m-o-s-q I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. Make sure you stick around right now. Our friend Rob Stats Carrera is going to sit down with Washington Commanders pass rusher Chase Young. Joining us now on the SB Nation NFL show, Washington Commanders pass rusher Chase Young. Chase, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, obviously rehabbing, um, but, you know, getting back to where I need to be. Yeah, that was going to be my first question to you. Are you feeling good? And is everything with the knee okay? Yeah, yeah. We, we you know, uh, with this thing, it's the, definitely a process. Um, but just taking it one day at a time and being patient, just getting trying to get back to my best self. You're joining us on behalf of FedEx. We're going to get to that in a minute. But I did want to ask you: Was there one thing you learned about either your body or the injury throughout this whole process that kind of sticks out in your mind? Uh, I would say, um, definitely, uh, you know. Me, anybody who, I guess, has a serious injury, um, I feel like it will always test your mental. Um, and, you know, I just feel like uh, this process has definitely built my character um, in many ways. Um, you know, definitely humbling. Reminded me, um, you know, where, where I started, you know, from the bottom. Now, I cover the 49ers, so, of course, I'm very familiar with Nick Bosa, your former teammate who was also coming off an ACL injury last year who had one of the most incredible years. The fact that he didn't get voted comeback player of the year will just blows my mind. I mean, you know, especially coming back from this injury now, uh, have you reached out to Nick or has he reached out to you about the rehab process? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Nick, uh, you know, that's, that's like a big brother to me, um, you know, helped me throughout uh, Ohio State. Uh, we, we've definitely exchanged about, you know, being injured. Um, yeah, man, you know, he, he's definitely gave me his uh, – his, his, his nuggets on, uh, you know, just what to do on coming back. Did he reach out to you and, and express maybe some disappointment that he didn't get any votes for comeback player of the year? Nah, nah, we, 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 we really didn't. You know, Nick is one of those guys who uh, he sees it. He's just going to uh, continue to work harder. And, um, That's you know, crazy to me. Yeah, no, nah, it is crazy. He, he went crazy. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> yeah, he definitely went crazy. It is unbelievable. Um Nick Bosa, I just read an interview where he talked about before you were drafted, you and he were having conversations. And like anybody, you were wondering, you know, hey, look, I'm going to the NFL. These are the best of the best players. Am I going to be able to play in this league? Did you have a moment your rookie year where you were like, okay, I can play here? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about it in camp. Um, you know, camp, just going hard, um, you know, I feel like that's where you really get a feel. You can definitely get a feel for uh, the league, um, practicing against guys who's been in the league. Um, just like in college, I remember, um, you know, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave about to get drafted. I remember those guys coming in, uh, being freshmen, um, and just seeing them. They was they was cooking, you know, our first team corners and 
you know, first team nickels and all, oh, yeah, these guys will be dudes. So I feel like uh, when you can um, always start out pretty high um, in practice and the things like that, it just rolls over to the game. So you're joining us on behalf of FedEx. I know they've got some initiatives with some small businesses. What do you, why don't you tell us what you have going on there? Yeah, uh, you know, definitely partner with uh, FedEx. Um, you know, we're now meets next. Uh, and, you know, you know, with me right now, um, you know, just trying to get back uh, with my knee um, and everything. Um, you know, what I do right now um, is, is, is going to be um, definitely going to plan out my future. I just have to stay persistent every day, you know, also relating to these draft picks, what they do today, you know, can, uh, and tomorrow can be, you know, the cost of, you know, what it looks like down the road for them. Um, you know, I had a chance uh, to see um, FedEx new all electric van, which was uh, pretty cool. Um, and it marked a trip for 260 miles um, wow. from New York to BC. Yeah. Um, you know, off one charge. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're doing here. You own any electric cars? Uh, stocks. I got some shares in, uh, I believe, Tesla. Oh, okay. See, <laughs> that's next level right there. You're like, no, I don't need the car. Give me the stock in the company. Learn investment is the is 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 the you know is that way to go. If I could transition to a little football here, um, let's just put things nicely and say your team has a lot going on. Unfortunately. It's not great, but it doesn't have anything to do with the players. It has to do with the ownership situation. If you guys have any sort of success this year, should you get like double credit? Like, how are you supposed to play when that stuff's going on? No, nah, man, you know, our job is, uh, you know, going to be ready, be prepared for Sundays and, and play. Um, and, you know, that's what, you know, me, um, team, I feel like that's what we're going to go continue to do is just try to uh, prepare the best we can and, go out and, and, and give the best that we can that we can and you have what i can only describe it sounds i mean it nicer than it sounds but you have the ultimate adult in ron rivera as your head coach the man is just a professional he's just he's just an adult like there's no screwing around with coach rivera yeah yeah coach rivera he's a you know what we call what i got from ohio state uh, we call a dude um <laughs> somebody who holds themselves accountable um, is not afraid of uh, being held accountable. Um, a tough guy. Um, you can see that with uh, what he went through my rookie year. He's just a dude. I mean, great guy. He lets me be himself. I mean, he lets me be myself. Um, players coach. I mean, it's, it's nothing but good things, like I said. And you mentioned accountability. Do you feel like there's kind of a double standard there between the stuff that's going on with Daniel Snyder and what players do on the field? Because if a player got accused of some of that stuff, I don't know that the the man that demands that everybody call him Mr. Snyder would be as patient. Yeah, you know, um, everything above my head, I try, you know, not to really uh, focus on too much. I just try to um, talk to my team, uh, rally the troops, and just uh, make sure that uh, the team and our mind is in a good place, you know. So, uh, you know, we go out there and we, and we can play to the best of our ability. Have you had any contact with Carson Wentz since he's become the quarterback? Oh, yeah. Uh, OTAs, um, you know, definitely got a chance uh, to, to, to talk to Carson, um, you know, see him throw it around a little bit. Um, so, you know, I'm definitely excited. Carson, he, he, he real, he's real talented. Um, you can see what he did with the Colts. Um, so, you know, I'm definitely excited to see my man toss it around this year. Has he tried to take you on a hunting trip yet? <laughs> nah, not yet. He's still, uh, he's still moving in. I, uh, 
when I had talked, he was still, uh, you know, I think he, that week of OTAs, he had uh, started moving. Um, so he's getting situated. Chase Young of the Washington Commanders, on behalf of FedEx, we thank you very much for the time. Thank you.